Well, hello again, everyone. Welcome to the Red and White Authority. This is episode 131. Our guest is Sean Horkoff, the Director of Player Development and the Assistant Director of Player Personnel for the Detroit Red Wings. As always, the Red and White Authority is presented by Labatt Blue. It is the official Canadian beer of the Detroit Red Wings. And remember, whether it's winter, spring, summer, or as it is right now, fall time, what better way to cap off your long day of hard work than a nice ice-cold Labatt Blue? And we ask that you do drink our Canadian beer responsibly. With that said, let's bring in uh, uh, Sean Horkoff. Sean, no stranger to this program. I think he now has the record of being on the most of anybody in uh, the 131 episodes we've done. Sean, thanks for joining us. Really appreciate it. No problem, Mark. Thanks for having me. Um, I, I'm kind of curious, um, before we get into breaking down uh, your assessment of about 10 to 12 prospects or so within the Red Wing system, if you could give a quick overview, because this podcast is growing by leaps and bounds, of people who might not be familiar with your job, if you could tell us what have you been doing specifically since training camp ended and the regular season has begun? Uh, well, this is kind of the time now where we get out and start watching the players. You know, really, the guys will be drafted uh, right after training camp. You know, once they get released, they go back to the respective junior, you know, college or European teams. And this is where myself, you know, Dan Cleary, uh, we've had a little bit of help with Nick Cromwell this year, which has been nice. Is when we get out there and we start monitoring the guys to see how they're doing. So, uh, so you you have been traveling pretty extensively. I understand you just got back from Europe. How did that work out? How impressed are you with uh, with the prospects that are playing in Europe for the Red Wings? Uh, yeah, actually, the trip went really good. You know, we have a lot of guys over there right now that are playing good hockey. Uh, you know, Sonderblue and Berglund. There are a couple of young guys, newly drafted guys last year. They're playing. In Prolunda, which is, you know, there were Christopher Wren and Gustav Liss were played before. Actually, Berglund just got called up to the men's team. Um, you know, Soderblom's on the J20 team. And they're, they're both doing very well. It was kind of nice having both those guys up in Traverse City. We, we, we normally don't get any Europeans um, due to the fact that usually by that time, uh, most of the Europeans are up and running. But because these guys are playing on their junior team, uh, you know, their, their general manager in Prolunda there allowed them to come over, which was kind of nice. So, and they both had a great term in Florida and got to a great start, so that was a good result. Uh, you know, Jonathan Berger's up in Cleftia right now. He had a little bit of a shoulder injury. Uh, he just returned from that. He got off to a little bit of a slow start, but he's up and running now. Um, you know, his minutes, his roles are increased. You know, they were really, really happy with his progression. Uh, Anthony Tuamistu, our second rounder from last year, he's playing the J20 league, has gone through a fantastic start. He leads all defensemen in scoring. I think he's fifth overall in the league uh, in scoring as well. You know, he's a guy that uh, he's in a good organization now that's done some restructuring. They have some really good people in place, good development people in place. Um, so he's at a sat in in in, uh, in Finland. Um, Elba Johansson's another kid in Farstad in Sweden that started off in the J20 team. He now too is up. Uh, in the men's league in the SHL, Multisekov is he's now of course done with junior. It's his first main season up with Malmo. Um, so yeah, we're and then and then, then Grevy we have Grevy and Jurgar. He, he, he too is up with the SHL team and plays the odd game for the J20. So all of our European prospects over there are doing well and off to great service. 
you know, I, you know, I, I want to, you know, maybe hone in on just a couple of guys, and and I actually got to see them. And, and you mentioned uh, 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 Soderblom, who uh, was uh, was uh, was able to play in the prospects tournament, then had to go back. I mean, he's a big kid. Um, uh, he's um, six seven. You could really tell a six round pick in last year's draft. And, and you know, and I don't want to put too much pressure and you know be all effusive in praise here, but he seemed to be kind of uh, for a six-round pick. Could he possibly be one of those, for lack of a better term, diamond in the rough? Well, both him and Berglund, and Gustav Berglund is a six-rounder as well. They both playing for London. Both of those guys are doing extremely well. Uh, Soderblom's off to a great start. You know, I think he's got ten goals in fourteen or fifteen junior games. He's second or third his team in scoring. Um, he is a guy. He's a guy that's huge. You know, he, he's actually skates pretty well for his size, but but he's very very strong. Has a great shot and is kind of learning how to use his body as we you know as we speak right now and uh, to, to, to to be most effective. So he is. He's, he's a very raw player, but there's lots of upside with him uh, with him there. And then Berglund, of course, another six rounder um, defenseman, six two, six six two and a half. But very good skating and off to a great start. You know, he's a guy that is just starting to figure out how good he can be. And you know, the, the, it's not easy for those guys coming you know, when they're newly drafted. It's not really all that common unless you're really one of the, the top top ten picks to come up and play with your men's team right away. And even when they do, they don't get a lot of minutes. So it's a good sign for us that Berlin's been called up so quickly. You know, I, I, I I'm kind of curious because I saw both of them play. Uh, uh, Berglund and uh, 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 Soderblom, and I thought that being at that prospects tournament, which the Red Wings prospects won this year, we did all the live streaming. I know fans, uh, uh, you know, were were really into that, uh, but. Uh, it seemed that they improved each and every game. How much a jolt of confidence was it for their teams in Sweden to allow them to come over here and experience that prospects tournament? It seemed to help, I guess, for you know, in their growth as hockey players. Yeah, I think for multiple reasons. It's always nice for them. I mean, there's seven other teams up there. It's always nice for prospects. It's a big tournament that they get to see where they stack up against, you know, other, you know, seven other teams, uh, NHL prospects, and see where they're at. Uh, on top of that, for the Europeans, it's really, you know, they don't get to play competitive hockey games on small ice all that often. Uh, the ice that they're going to have to eventually play at. So it's a nice thing for development because when we start doing video with them or, or, or talk to them about skating or different situations, they're going to have a better idea of what we're talking about because when we, we deal with Europeans, we preach you know the ability to make plays in small areas, hockey sense. Um, your first three steps in order to create more separation. Over there, all those things aren't as aren't as important because the ice is bigger. You have more time. You have an extra second. You might be able to you know get away from from the traffic a little bit more. So when you do get the puck, you know those first three steps aren't as important. So. You know, for multiple reasons, it's, it, it's, it's nice to have those guys over. You know, uh, uh, last year's draft in Vancouver, um, Hakan Anderson, the chief European scout, the uh, uh, the European wizard, if you will, of, of scouting, has, has really drafted very well for the Red Wings over the years and brought in a lot of Europeans. He said that the biggest thing that he has to preach 
to European hockey players, although as each year goes by, I guess he, you know, he kind of said it's less and less, is compete level. That your compete level, have, you, essentially you have to bring it every night if you want to be an NHL player. How, how much is that part of what you and Dan Cleary and your staff have to preach not only to European players but to young prospects that it really comes down you're all very talented but you really have to compete day in and day out. We preach it every day. That that work ethic. And at the end of the day, you know, first off he's right. You have to compete to play in the NHL. It's not a soft man's game. The game is played and the goals are scored in hard areas, in and around the net. Um, and it is a little bit different over in Europe. I think the game's played more on the perimeter more so it does, you know, there's a little bit of an adjustment for these guys when they first come over. Um, but on top of that, we, you know, we, we, preach, we preach work ethic. You know, it, it doesn't matter if you're going to be a, a fourth-line player or 5-6 defense where you want to be a superstar. You know, the superstars that I've had the privilege of working, uh, you know, working around are they're the hardest workers. It's, it, there, there's no secret to success. It, it's, it's how much you put in. The game's going to give you back how much you put into it. Uh, so we absolutely we deal with that every single day, and every single time we talk about talk with these guys about you know development and what it's going to take for them, we preach those two things for standards. Is it difficult to, to to drive that message home? Because I would imagine, and you know, we we've all been you know 18, 19, 20 years old, thinking we have all the answers of the world already. Uh, to to convince kids that they're not competing hard or their work ethic just isn't there? Uh, yeah, I, I think, you know, the video doesn't lie. I mean, that's the old saying, and a lot of times it's right. So in the game, if we're talking about work ethic or we're talking about compete, it's easy. We can show examples of that, um, and they can see it for themselves. And then on top of that, a lot of times we can show examples of it being done properly. You know, whether it's uh, if they've done it properly in the past, you know, we never like to compare to different players. You know, we, we try to keep it, you know, to themselves. So if they've done something right in the past or they've shown good compete in the past or work ethic, we're going to show them what it actually looks like. Um, you know, so for, you know, for prospects, it, it, it's a learning process. A lot of times, too, it, it, it's a maturity level. What, you know, when we get them at 17 or 18 years old, some are mature, some are like children. It just takes them some time to... To, to, to mature and start figuring out. And on top of that, too, we try to expose, and that's what development camps for. Um, that's what different training um, situations are for in the summers. We want to try to expose them to what elite-level work ethic looks like, what elite-level compete, what elite-level commitment to getting the most of your game looks like. Um, yeah, I, I know you mentioned a couple of these European prospects, but I want to ask you a couple of more, and then we'll move on to uh, uh, to some Grand Rapids Griffins that I know that fans are are really interested in. Is the Griffins are uh, uh, are loaded? I, I just read an article recently. Where out of all the AHL teams, the Griffins, because of the roster that they have compiled this season, there might be more interest in the Griffins than there is any other team in the AHL. But we'll get to that in, in a minute. Uh, you mentioned uh, Ante Tumista. Uh, second round pick, 35th overall, and Albert Johansson, also a second round pick, 60th overall in the 2019 draft. I think it's no secret that the Red Wing Blue Line is going to go through a major rebuild here just because Father Time is catching up with some of the veterans. Um, if you could talk really uh, about Tumisto, who's 
I, I think Hawk and Anderson was just overjoyed that the Red Wings were able to nab him 35th overall uh, at last year's draft. You know, I touched earlier on, on how well he's doing statistically. I, I think the best thing is, is is other areas of game there's improvement too. His skating, um, he's putting on, I think he's put about five pounds on, you know, in the, in the last couple months he said, you know, he's a, he's a guy that strength was an issue when he dropped him. He's very raw. There's a lot of work to be done there. So we structure a program for him. He's in a good situation. We're in constant, <coughs> in constant, <coughs> sorry, constant contact with his strength coach in, in, in Pori. And he's getting two extra workouts a week to try to, you know, really just maximize the, 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 the learning curve when it comes to strength as possible. Is Would the next step, step for him to be, uh, graduate into the AHL and then eventually, I don't know, two, three years down. I, I hate to put a timeline on. I know you don't like to either. Uh, some of these guys could be fast developers and be fast-tracked, but uh, is that the, the progression that you see for him? Would be GR and then uh, eventually Detroit? Well, he's a guy that wants to go to college. Uh, he's going to make a decision here probably the end of November where he's going to attend um, next year. He's going to go to U.S. college, so that would be the first place he's going to go, and then you just constantly monitor these guys. I mean, yeah, the, the natural progression would be to turn pro and and step right into the AHL, and then you know, and, and, and hopefully play there, play well enough where he gets obviously called up as soon as possible. But who knows? Some of these college kids, if they, if they stay there a little bit longer, some are ready to make an immediate, you know, step to the NHL. Tara Morosi's one of those guys, but I, like you said it right, I don't like to put a time frame on on any of that because at the end of the day it's the player that's going to tell us and some some get ready sooner than others um uh, I, I, I want to go to um, Jonathan Bergeron. I mean, he sat out most of last year because of, uh, uh, I believe it was a back issue. Um, uh, you know, how is he adapting to, I know he really wanted to, I, I saw him at the process of the, um, the, the tournament in, gosh, I, I can't believe, I can't remember the name now, uh, in, in, that was at uh, the Summer USA Showcase. Hockey Arena. Yes, yep. yes, the Summer Showcase, and I know he wanted to put on a good show. Uh, where is he his game at? Has he rebounded nicely? Because obviously the Red Wings think very, very uh, high of him after having really uh, kind of a Shvechnikov year, uh, to, to, to put it in prospect for Red Wing uh, fans, uh, of missing like last season. Yeah, you know, you go out to a little bit of a slow start. You know, I think that's kind of natural, obviously, missing most of last year and not having to play the game in a while. But um, he's now previously back. I think he missed two games for a shoulder injury. But leading up to that, uh, he had four points in, in, in four games right before that. It was just trying to catch his stride and, and feel, feel more comfortable. So, yeah, he's playing better over there, and he's getting rewarded with more minutes. And, you know, hopefully now that he's back from injury, things, uh, things take off for him again. Yeah, Sean, I know you touched upon some of these guys, and we'll, we'll move off this quickly, but a guy that, uh, that, that the Red Wings drafted in the third round, 66 overall in last year's draft in Vancouver, um, was uh, Albin Guave, I believe is how he pronounces his last name. Uh, I think people were stunned that he lasted until the third round. Uh, he seems to be a rough-and-tumble type of player uh, with some offensive ability. Um, has, is he pretty much exactly what the Red Wings thought he would be? Yeah, he is. I saw him play when I was over there. He's a guy that uh, just brings energy to every single game. You know, he finishes check. He's not really. He's more of a you know of a, of a North American wolf than he is a European, and he stands out for that reason. He he finishes hits. He goes to the hard areas. He takes the puck wide. 
Um, he just brings energy every single shift. And, you know, there's always room for those guys in the NHL. When, uh, when, you, when we look at it, and I'll touch upon a couple of other guys that aren't Grand Rapids Griffins, then we'll get into that. I know a player that the Red Wings took in the 2019 draft, second round, 54th overall. Uh, is playing at BU right now. Robert DeMastro Simone, uh, you know, he, he ended up getting hurt in development camp. Um, uh, I, I think he broke his leg, but, you know, he's back now, and he's uh, he, he seems to be performing pretty well. I could tell just by the reaction of the Red Wings staff when they drafted him that this is a kid that, you know, when Chris Draper, I think it was, says he's a hockey player, you know that uh, that he's well thought of. Yeah, we, you know, exactly. I remember the same as you, that they were really happy to get him. Um, you know, I, I saw him play the very first game. I was in Union for when B opened up the season. He opened up with a goal and assist uh, and had a great start. You know, we also have Ethan Phillips there as well, Casper Cock and Sal. So it's a team that we're going to be following quite closely this year. But, but he a kid himself specifically. He's a kid with a, a good high skill set, but also with good compete. You know, he's not, a, he's not big. He's got a long ways to go in terms of putting on some strength and some weight, and he knows that. But he's in a great program. We're obviously familiar with that. Casper's, in there. Casper's been there now for – he's a junior. He's been there for a couple of years. But uh, he, he's off to a really good start. You know, how um – I mean, I know that you just draft, and I know that you're not really part of the draft per se. I mean, once once they're drafted, that's when you and Dan take over and actually start to mold them into uh, NHL players. I understand that. But do you like or is it really beneficial to the organization to have maybe some prospects all play on the same, whether it be collegiate team or junior team or European team? I mean, not that you can teach them the Red Wing way at that point, but that they have maybe familiarity so by the time they get over to North America or into the Red Wing organization, you know, they kind of know some guys. Yeah, that it's, it's easier for uh, for Dan and I. I mean, we, we've dropped over 30 guys in the last three years, so that's a lot of people to follow. Uh, that's on top of, uh, of Grand Rapids as well. So, um, you know, for us, it's, listen, we, we wherever the kids are, wherever they're playing, I know our job is, is, is to go, is to follow them, is to is, is to make sure they're doing everything possible, especially during the year. You know, talk to their teams, talk to their coaches, talk to their strength coaches, talk to their parents if they're junior kids living at home, talk to their billets. Just make sure that every aspect that goes into trying to get the most out of their ability is is being maximized. So, you know, during the year, like I said, when you have it, when, when you have the college kids, they are taken care of a little bit more. They only play games on the weekend. They live in dorms. The food's taken care of. Um, they usually have really good structured strength programs, so they do get taken care of uh, on that side a little bit more, so it's a little bit easier for us. When, uh, uh, you know, I, I have to ask you about one more European player because he already has a, uh, a, a fan club here in Detroit, and that, uh, you know, he's not the biggest guy, and when the Red Wings... <laughs> When the Red Wings drafted him uh, in 2018 in the seventh round, I think they, they listed him as you know, like 120 pounds at that point. But uh, he's been impressive when we've seen him here in North America, uh, and that's uh, Otto Kevamaki. Uh, how is he progressing? I, you know, I, I think this is a big year for him. He was going to move up in leagues in Europe. Uh, yeah, well, he actually played last year. He played the majority of the second half of the year in the, in the men's league, the, the, the main league there. This year he's been there the whole time. He's gone through a little bit of a rough start. Uh, the production isn't there like he, I know that he wanted it to be. I just saw him play last week at dinner with the master. 
you know, he's just a little frustrated right now. He's lacking a little bit of confidence, but it's still early in the season. So, you know, we changed a little, uh, a few things that we're going that he's going to be doing uh, off the ice. Hopefully, that gives him a little bit of a spark. But you know, we love his offense, and he's and he's he's putting the time into the gym. He's starting to put, he's starting to look like he's starting to put some muscle on his body. Uh, he's getting a little bit stronger. He looks stronger. He looks quicker on the ice. It's just a matter for him to get, you know, to get a good bounce and, and to get some confidence. When uh, a, a couple of guys in junior, um, first of all, an update on Jarrett McIsaac. I know that he's still rehabbing his, uh, I, I believe it's his shoulder. Uh, and uh, but uh, where is he on his timeline? Uh, he's doing well. He's actually doing. You know, he's probably. I think he's probably about a month away. I mean, really, he's supposed to see the doctor here in early November, but that's not going to be to fully clear and play. You know, we'll have a better idea of, of, of where he's at after that happens. But, uh, you know, I'm going to skate him tomorrow, and uh, we're going to get a good sense here once he sees the doctor in about two weeks where he's at. But at this point, he's he's fully functional. He feels great. Uh, you know, on the ice, he can do everything. He can train fully. It's more the contact that, that that you're worried about. It's not an easy injury to come by to come back from, and it takes it takes a long time to heal. But we're doing everything we possibly can. He he really wants to make the World Junior team and to play at the World Juniors after obviously being on the team last year. And um, you know we're doing everything we can to to expedite that healing process and make sure that he's he's not just healthy when he plays, but that he's he's ready. Another one, a Detroit native, Alex Regula. I mean, it's been well documented. His father was, for 29 years, a team dentist for the Red Wings. He grew up idolizing Valtteri Filpula. Uh, Third-round pick, uh, 2018 draft. Uh, one of these players that, because he's in junior, uh, at the end of this year, by June, uh, just before the, the, the draft this coming year, the 2020 draft in Montreal, Red Wings are going to have to... Uh, uh, make a decision on him, but it sounds like Alex Regula, who plays for London in the O, is putting together a pretty good year. Yeah, he's off to a great start. He's got 11 points in seven games, um, four goals, playing a ton. Uh, but I think the thing I like most is his, his, his defensive game. You know, I think that's always an issue uh, with some of these young guys that get drafted in the in the higher rounds. Is you know they always expect to to, to, to produce offense. You know, well, I think one thing with Alex is we want to use. It we want him to use his size, his range, uh, his sense in, in, to, to, to become a better defender. You know, he's going to have to be a guy that plays on both sides of the ice. He obviously has a, he has a good pass, um, but but he's got that size and that reach. So we really want want him to become a, a good, solid defender for us. And he's, he's showing great, uh, you know, uh, great strides there. Last year, uh, London was so stacked on the blue line that you know, in order to get some. Uh, uh, playing time, he was moved to net front presence on the power play and performed very well. I think he had like six power play points. Uh, is London using him that way again this year, or is he strictly uh, on the blue line trying to quarterback a power play? Yeah, I've actually only seen him play once, so and in the game he wasn't used there. Um, I think, listen, I, I think at the time London was really stacked last year on their power play, so it was nice that he was even getting the minutes and the opportunity there. But I'm, uh, and, and you're right, he did do well there and, and had some production. So I think going into the season, when I talked to him, at least the idea was that uh, he would get opportunities at both. You know, I think they, they, they were happy with what he did last year, um, but they also see him as a guy that can, that, can, that can run that second unit on the, on the back end. 
but the good news is that, you know, regardless, he's going to be in a situation where he's going to get minutes there. All right, let's, uh, let's move our attention now to the uh, Grand Rapids Griffins. And uh, um, Griffins uh, off to a pretty good start. They just uh, concluded a road trip uh, uh, in Texas, and uh, uh, they're going to be playing tonight. I think the, they have a little bit of a homestand here. Uh, coming up, the first player I want to talk to you about, he just came back from injury but was really, really impressive. And uh, uh, we've talked about him before uh, from the University of Maine, was captain a couple of years, I think as a sophomore and junior turned pro, and that's Chase Pearson. I know that he's coming off of injury, but he seems to be a guy who has uh, kind of positioned himself nicely within the Detroit organization. Well, yeah, Chase is a great guy. You know, I think he's... Um you know, I'm actually going to go down to the game tonight, so I'm looking forward because I haven't seen him, haven't seen him play yet this year. Obviously, with being injured, and I was in Europe when he came back, uh, so I'm looking forward to the game. I want to see how he's doing. He's a guy that's put a lot of work in, and uh, and, and had a really good camp for us. Had a successful, you know, a lot of production up there in Traverse City. He's not, you know, he's not going to be that guy at the NHL level. He's more of a of a of a, of a third line type center that can play on both sides of the ice. He's good on faceoffs. He's big. He's strong. He can skate, and you know, and, and he can be hard to play against. So I'm looking forward to see what I see tonight. You know, Sean, you've obviously worn the C on your sweater. Uh, he was captain for two years at Maine, as I said, as a sophomore and as a junior. People do talk about his leadership qualities. Uh, if you could maybe explain what makes a good leader, why are some why are some players drawn to players such as yourself or Steve Eiserman or Chase Pearson? I don't mean to put Chase in you know in in, in you know with you and Steve, but uh, that you just hear it all the time. Guys are. Guys are leaders. What makes a leader? Why is Chase Pearson one of those guys? Well, he's just a, he's a guy that does the right thing all the time. You know, he's he's got a fantastic. He, he always involves everyone. He's, he's he's a great teammate in that regards. I know from Maine and talking to other guys on the team that when when he played there that he, he you know he he, he included everyone. Um, he was there for guys when they're going through tough times. Also, he's the first guy to congratulate when you have success. On top of that, he's a fantastic worker. I mean, the kid, you tell him he's always asking the right questions on what he can do to get better. All you got to do is tell him what he needs to do, and he's going to go up there and do it. So, um, you know, yeah, he's just a guy that you can count on in every situation. Right, really. I mean, yeah, he uh, he even let us call him uh, uh, Peach as a nickname during the Prospects Tournament, although he told us he didn't like it because, obviously, he being from Georgia, which is kind of a unique situation, uh, I'm not sure how many NHL-caliber players the state of Georgia has produced, but it certainly looks like Chase Pearson is going to be one of them. Yeah, you know, he's a guy, like I said, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing him play tonight. Okay, uh, let's move on. Michael Rasmussen uh, has started off very well for the Griffins. Uh, I know in a strange sense, I think he was relieved this year when Jeff Blaschel and the Red Wings told him that they want him to be a center iceman, which he himself wants to be. His net front presence is extraordinary. His hand-eye coordination, we've talked about him a lot, but I would imagine the way that he is embraced, because he spent 60-some-odd games, and I know the rules and all that last year, with the Red Wings, the way that he has performed early on in Grand Rapids. Yeah, he's been fantastic. I've watched, uh, I've watched the first three games there of the season, and he's been He's been everything we've wanted to and more. You know, one thing I didn't know about Rass was, is how he was going to be back at center again. I mean, last year he played, obviously, the majority of wing. The year before, he got injured in the first half of the season when he 
right after we drafted him. And then when he came back from injury, he started playing wing uh, with Morgan Geeky. Ended up playing wing the, the rest of the year. So he hasn't really played all that much center um, in the last two seasons. But uh, he's been rock solid for us. The one thing about center that I like for Rass is he's obviously he's playing a ton of minutes down there. He's played all situations. Um, but it forces him to work on his defense and his skating. You know, he got to log the puck to the neutral zone. Um, I think one thing that's impressed me so far is, is, is his defensive sense. You know, he's a guy that's responsible. He seems to be on the right side of pucks a lot. He's in the right position. Um, he's obviously got good size, got a long reach. He should be a guy that should be should be should be hard to play against. And he, it's, and and that's good to see because he is, he's a, he, you know, we always, I, I, I called him last year the most serious 19-year-old in the entire world, and, uh, but he, uh, uh, he's very coachable. He does whatever it takes, and you know, he, uh, you know, he's going to try to, to do everything within his ability to be the best hockey player he is. Which, from your standpoint, has to be refreshing when you, when you coach and when you, uh, you know, mentor somebody like that. Yeah, he loves the game. You know, he wants to be obviously in the NHL like they all do. But I think when he first got sent down, he had a good attitude, which is the most important thing. He realized he to develop. We want him to develop. I think someone said that, listen, he was very, very good in five feet from the net. Well, there's still 195 feet of right. NHL game out there, you know. like, And all that means is, is we want him to be responsible defensively. You know, when he plays the NHL, He's going to have to play against Austin Matthews and Jack Eichel, and he's got to defend it against those guys. You know, you can't you can't hide from the talent in the NHL, and we want to make sure that when he does get there, that you know he's ready for that. And, and the only way to do that is you got to go down, you got to play, you got to play in those situations, you have to play big minutes. Um, and he's doing that right now. Uh, one of uh, another player that obviously I, I am rooting for, uh, and he, you know, he knew that it would be a marathon, not a sprint to the NHL for him. Uh, is Giovanni Smith? He's one of our bloggers in our Taking Flight series. Uh, his blog, Powering Forward. Uh, Giovanni has uh, started off very, very nicely. I, you know, I, I don't know. He's suspended again, at least only for a game. I, I don't know how he constantly is getting suspended. I didn't think it was even a. A penalty, what he was, uh, what he was suspended for. But I, I'm not going to let my personal feelings get into that. But uh, it looks like Giovanni, who had a good camp, I thought a good prospects tournament, seems like that uh, his maturation process is coming along quite nicely. Yeah, that's exactly it. Like last year, he had a great camp for his last year too in Detroit. But I think one thing is you saw his immaturity. He got sent down to the American Hockey League, and you know he wasn't ready for that challenge, and really got off to a tough start. You know, he had a really uh, a slow first half of the season, uh, lots of meetings, lots of sit-downs with him, lots of video, and then he started to get it in the second half. He started to figure out what it took to be a pro. He started coming to the rink earlier, staying later, doing more off-ice, doing more video, doing more skill work, and he really finished the season well. And then, you know, he had a fantastic summer training and came back and had another great campus again. But the difference is he continued it down there. He's, he's playing at a point per game. But I love where his games that he's bringing energy every night. He's hard to play against. Um, and, and he's playing all situations. He's penalty killing. He's playing net front power play. Uh, he's an important part of our team down there. Um, 
Joe Valeno, who is also one of our bloggers. I I can't. I, I love plugging the blog series Taking Flight, but uh, 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 Joe obviously uh, in his blog well documented his relationship with you. I know that you uh, talk to him quite often. Uh, struggling a little bit right now. He's only 19 and he's playing in the AHL, uh, but but certainly his future is bright. Uh, can you talk a little bit about Joe and his adjustment period to uh, professional hockey? Well, it's exactly it. You know, I think like most young young guys that, that, that produce a lot of junior hockey, and especially for Joe, everyone's got to remember too, most guys, you know, Joe's making that jump a year earlier than most um, CHL players because of that exceptional status, right? Usually he would have to go back and play another year of junior and then kind of step into the league if he wasn't ready for the NHL right away. But um, So it's, it's hard. It's, it's a hard league down there. It, you know, it's, it's not a very productive league. Um, these guys, every every single guy down there, is playing as hard as they can every single night because they know that there's always someone watching. Whether it's their own team, whether it's other teams, you know they want to get called up. They want to be, you know, they're, they're playing for contracts. So it's a very very hard league. And Joe's, I think Joe's figuring that out. But I've liked, I've, I've liked his work ethic. Um, he's had some chances. He hasn't had a lot of puck luck in terms of what you know, also not just pucks going in for himself, but he's made some plays that probably should be goals, but they're not going in. Um, so the production might not be there, but we're happy with his growth. You know, I, you, uh, Giovanni said something interesting to me last week. He did, he, you know, he did a blog, and uh, I was talking to him about it. And he was moved up to a line with Joe. He's really tight with Joe. They worked out together. Uh, how good is that for 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 Valeno to have somebody like Giovanni who went through the trials and tribulations, much like what Joe's experiencing this year? And, and we've talked about it. Giovanni has gone on it. Uh, important not only for them to be friends off the ice, but maybe even to be line mates on the ice. Well, it's important for all of them. We want all of our young guys. We've got a we've got a ton of young guys down there this year. In fact, young guys that we think are going to eventually play for the Detroit Red Wings. So, you know, there's no better time than now to become close teammates, close friends. You know, be able to lean on each other. I know Joe's um, he's rooming with Sider down there. They're roommates. Uh, but but on top of that, like Giovanni Smith is a good opportunity for a guy like you said has gone through the troubles of, of that before and knows how hard it is. He has some experience in that, and we've encouraged Giovanni to be able to, to talk to Joe and just help him through it. Well, that yeah, that that, that looks like that could be a. Uh... Uh, a, a good uh, partnership on and off the ice. Uh, uh, a guy that everybody, I don't know if people are concerned about, but they're, I guess, and it's unfair to him because he's still just a very, very young player. Um, but when's it going to happen? Uh, and that, of course, is Philip Zadina. Uh, you know, the, the shot is there, Sean. Where, where do you think he's at at his development? Great kid, mentally, you know. Mentally, he's there. I mean, he's not—he's not a sulker. He, you know, he—he's willing to work through whatever comes his way. Well, one thing I've liked about Zeta this year is his work ethic. He, his, his work ethic uh, in, in each and every shift throughout the entire game has dramatically improved. So he's starting to figure it out. On top of that, also his his defensive game has improved. He's much more responsible in his own zone. I know he's he's winning the trust of the coach. Uh, who's willing to put him out there in more important situations where we might only be up by a goal or something. But, um, yeah, the puck hasn't gone in, gone in as much as he, I know he would have liked, but it's going to. You know, he's a guy that's a, he's a shooter, he's a scorer. You know, we, I, we want him to get his, his chances in the, in the really good scoring areas up a little bit more. So I think one thing with Z is, is when it's not going in, sometimes he tries to do a little bit too much, too much on his own. 
for for a good reason because he wants to. You know, he wants to produce. He's hungry to score. Uh, he wants to be a big part of the team. You know, which all of that we, we love and we encourage. Um, but it's not easy. Not easy when you make it to pro to to kind of you know to do everything yourself. And when you are in those areas, you have to make sure you shoot and not overpass because it's not easy to get to get quality scoring chances from those good areas. So, uh, you know, he was called up for nine games last year. I don't know what the rules are, but, I mean, conceivably, Sean, and this might not be a question that you can answer, uh, I, will he be somebody that, if he's called up, if he only plays nine games again, his contract that first year would not count against uh, against the Red Wings? Do you know anything about that? Um. I'm not for sure, but I think off the top of my head that that I think it, that only referred that only matters with his first year. Okay. After that, now that he's pro, um, it's his first year of his pro contract. So, so he he can get called up and play as little or as many games as uh, as the Red Wings see fit at this point. Yes. Okay. Let's uh, let's move on. Uh, guy, the Red Wings signed. Uh, you know, I know Yuri Fisher has been on top of him for a couple of years, and uh, that's Oliver Kasky. Uh, you know, seemed to have ups and downs uh, during during training camp uh, uh, down in uh, Grand Rapids, learning the North American style. Uh, what about uh, what about Oliver? Well, he's played much better lately. I think. You know, he's a guy that hasn't played a lot of time on the on the small ice before, and like I said earlier in the cast, that it takes those guys a little bit longer. I think you saw that with him. He has to compete. I know how much he has to work over here in North America. It's a different game than over there in Europe, and I've liked his game. It's been improved the last couple, so I'm looking forward to seeing what he's going to do tonight as well. You know, another player Red Wings drafted in 2017, 38th overall in the second round. I think at the time when he was drafted, I remember uh, there was a little bit of, whoa, you know. Uh, but then uh, as the draft kind of played itself out, people said, you know, Detroit might have a really good player there. Um, and that is Gustav Lindstrom. He turned pro this year, first year in Grand Rapids. He seems to be going through maybe what uh, uh, a lot of players go through, maybe a, a bit of a growth period in trying to get used to the North American style. Actually, he's been he's been very good for us. We're really, really happy with him. His game, uh, you know, he's a guy that's it, he, he's a good pass. He's got good sense, but he's got good bite to his game for, um, for a guy that's just come over here. So we actually couldn't be more happy. I think it took him a little bit while in the prospect tournament to get up to speed and get going and through camp and exhibition season, but he was ready to go right from the drop of the puck from the first game down in Grand Rapids and he's, been, he's played very well for a young guy. You know, what I find interesting about him, I, I met him at the Summer Showcase, not the last one, but the one that was like I guess two two years ago now that was at uh, USA Hockey Arena in Plymouth is that he was very, and I know we've talked about this before, he was very apprehensive about the small ice service. He had never played there, but and they, I, I think they only played four games in the summer showcase, but by the time game three rolled around, it looked like he had played there almost his whole life. I mean, he had a comfort level. Is, is that what's really good about him is, is that, as you said, he's he can adapt to the situation and is kind of a, a, a quick learner. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he's got, like I said, we, we, we really like his hockey sense. And most guys that have good hockey sense are guys that can really adapt to a situation, like you said, much quicker. And he's proven that, you know, to be true. 
And, and, and he, as you said, he does play with a little bit of an edge. I mean, he kind of likes to be physical. Yeah, he likes playing physical. You know, he's not a guy that shies away from it. Um, and there's value, obviously, in that. He's, you know, he likes to engage. He like, you know, he, 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 he'll step up, uh, look for the open ice hit. I think that's something that, uh, you know, he can definitely bring to the game. Um, so, yeah, there's, there's, there's lots of that that he, that he likes to do. And throw, he likes to throw the body around out there. And it's something that we, you know, that we saw him from the permanent. Uh, not, I think that's something that we saw before we drafted him as well. And that was something that I know that, I know that Hawkins has said to me really appealed to, to him. So he's proving, uh, proving, all, proving Hawkins right and, and, and the fact that he's, he's, he's not an easy guy to play against. When... Uh... Gentlemen, last number one draft pick by the Red Wings, sixth overall, uh, Moritz Sider, who wants to be called Mo Sider. Um, he was fantastic in the prospects tournament. I, I, I talked to several other uh, uh, executives from the other teams that were up there, and I, I think hands down, and I, you know, I, I know that I'm, you know, over effusive sometimes in my praise, but he was considered one of the top prospects in that prospects tournament. He was that impressive. Uh, Mo Sider, uh, I thought he played fairly well during the preseason. Uh, you know, looks like a guy that could be fast-tracked. I don't want to get ahead of myself here, which I have a tendency to do, but uh, uh, Mo, very young player, but ass played with men. Uh, where is Mo Sider at this point, Sean? Playing great, you know. He's a guy that he's he's in the right league. You know, he's not like he's not dominated. He's not struggling it. He's he's some nights he's some nights he's good. Other nights he's a little bit off. But that's normal. He's 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 on on the on the right growth curve right now. Um, he's he's playing all situations. He's playing a good amount of minutes. And he's another guy that that, that seems to really catch on quickly. So I think as the season kind of wears on here, I think you're going to see him more and more comfortable. But he seems to also be a guy that um, is embraced by his teammates. I mean, you know, he could have walked in, I guess, you know, big time to everybody. Hey, I'm the sixth pick overall in the draft. Uh, you know, I've played in the German League. I played professional. But he seems to really be a gregarious young man who is very inclusive to that entire team. He walks in the room and we're all together. It's just not about me. Oh, he's got a great personality. Very outgoing which is evident from the start, right from the day that we drafted him when he came out to the suite. Um, very talkative, very happy, very outgoing. Not a guy that's shy at all, likes to encourage all the teammates. Up at Traverse City for an 18-year-old, you know, we go for team dinners. He's, you can hear his voice over a lot of other guys, so uh, it's a great sign. Team camaraderie is such an important thing. Um, chemistry is such an important thing, and he seems to be a guy that's going to bring value to that. Um, one final player I want to ask you about, and I know that you know usually this is not your department, but there is a lot I think riding on his development, and that is Philip Larson. I know he's played a couple of games for the Griffins; has looked pretty good. This is his first year pro. Uh, you know, every league that he has been in in North America, from the USHL uh, with Tri City, and then uh, uh, last year uh, College University of Denver. He seems to be a bit of a quick study. He's an interesting young man, has a very unique personality. Uh, are the Red Wings happy, and I know it's very, very early on, uh, with what they see from Larson? Yeah, we're happy. I mean, like you said, it is early. Um, you know, he left, he left college hockey to turn pro. He wanted, he really wanted to play more games. He wanted to work on his game more daily. Um, 
and you know, it, it's early. It's early for him. The one thing with goalies is they usually take a little bit longer. It's not an easy position. Obviously, you know, there's a, there's a lot of stress on you every single night when you're in there. Not an easy job. You know, facing the best shooters in the world. So. Uh, you know, they've been patient with him, but he's off to a great start, and it's been great so far. Um, and uh, finally, uh, Sean, I just kind of a, a wrap-up question here. Um, and, and again, I really do appreciate you taking time out. You're always willing to do the podcast, and I can't thank you enough. Truly, I cannot. But uh, from where the organization is, as prospects-wise, from when you began this job, uh, a few seasons ago, three or four, whatever it is now, I can't remember off the top of my head, to where it is now, I would imagine that the cupboard is being replenished, and there is, for Red Wing fans, you know, take some uh, solace in this, uh, uh, help is on the way, so to speak. Oh, we have five first-rounders playing in Grand Rapids. I don't know how many organizations can can offer that. You know, like I think before Smash, well, that, that, that's before Smash got called up, so... On top of that, too, you know, Giovanni Smith and, and Chase Pearson, like all these guys that you brought up, they're starting to turn pro now, and they're coming to the organization. So, yeah, it's an exciting time. With a lot of these guys, um, it's my fourth year, so a lot of these guys, they're the guys that we first drafted um, right off the bat for me, and it's nice to see their progression and their growth, and for that to happen, get one step closer to their dream, which is to play at the NHL. And not just that, for our, for our dream of, of having them, come in and play well. You know, we need these guys to come in and push for jobs and play well and, and, and get our team back to where it should be. You know, I mean, how much has your workload increased? I mean, you've always been the director of player development, but uh, and congratulations, you got a little bit of uh, a promotion here as well, or at least another title. Uh, assistant director of player personnel. Uh, how's that working out, and, and do you enjoy that aspect of it? I do. I do. I think, um, you know, I work really closely with Beaker now. On, on that side of on that side of it, you know, I think it's just a, a matter of watching other teams' top prospects and, and just trying to learn the league even more. Um, so that's just a, you know, when I go to Europe, I, I was able to go over there and see, you know, half the games I saw were our prospects. The other half would be just other games where you're watching other, you know, other teams' top prospects too. So uh, yeah, it's an exciting time. You know, I, I enjoy it. I enjoy learning different aspects of the organization and and, and just willing to do whatever. Whatever they want. Well, I'll tell you, Sean. Every time I talk to a prospect, they just rave about you and and and, and Dan Cleary. And uh, I know from a previous podcasts, uh, you've been on the cutting edge in player development for a long time. It goes back to your playing days. Uh, so some of the routines and workouts that you used to do. And uh, I know the Red Wings are in good hands. I always uh, uh, prospects that are the whole organization in general, I guess. But thank you for joining us. I appreciate you taking time out, Sean. It's always a pleasure to have you on the Red and White Authority. Thank you.